here comes the judge, or not so fast, say the defense attorneys in the opioid litigation. Hi, this is Kevin Quinley, and I'd like to welcome you to this week's episode of The Claims Coach, where I'd like to talk about the increasing role of judges as docket managers. Now, it hit the news this past week that the opioid defendants are seeking removal or recusal of Judge Aaron Polster. Judge Polster is scheduled to preside over a trial in Cleveland set for October by multiple plaintiffs and states who are bringing civil lawsuits against various manufacturers, perhaps distributors as well, of painkillers and opioids for significant damages. Um, And their grounds are that Judge Polster has made statements showing that he has already made up his mind about liability, that he's not approaching this in an even-handed, open-minded way, and that he has already made up his mind with regard to the liability and culpability of the manufacturers, and that for Judge Polster, the only question is damages, not liability which, of course, the manufacturers are contesting. So, you know, my perception as a claims guy over the years in dealing with litigated cases going to trial, obviously uh, OxyContin litigation is an outlier, but I've had some experience with regard to mass tort cases. And there are a couple of impressions, I think, that many claims people get about judges. Number one is that they are weighted down with many cases. Hey, can you relate to that? Imagine that, being weighed down with a lot of cases. Imagine having a heavy caseload. Well, judges do. Uh, And they are looking for ways to reduce that caseload. And one way is to twist the arm of the insurance company to pay money. Okay, number two, oftentimes there are fewer clerks to help these judges manage that caseload due to budget constraints and pressures. And so if they had more clerkship help, uh, perhaps they would uh, have a better chance of of managing their docket. Number three uh, impression is that judges don't want to spend time trying cases. You know, to the defendant, this case, which is prepped for trial, is like a rare antique. To the judge, your case is like a crate on a loading dock, something to move in and move out, like herds of cattle. Head them up and move them out. And so they they just, you know, to sit on a trial might take weeks or months if it's a multi-district litigation, complex litigation like the opioid crisis. And, And number four, it's galling speaking at least for this claim professional, it's galling for a claim professional to have courts sit in judgment about alleged insurance company delay while they grant continuance after continuance after continuance. Uh, I say that uh, uh, the the slowest insurance company um, is, is Usain Bolt compared with the pace of many of these courts. So it's much easier for judges to just want insurance companies to pay money to clear out their docket. 
and I am not defending the opioid manufacturers here. I'm not taking a side one way or the other, other than the fact that perhaps they deserve and are willing to incur the risk of their day in court. And, and they feel that, in effect, they are being deprived of a fair day of court by virtue of conclusions already reached by the judge. He wants, of course, to bring exquisite pressure to bear upon the manufacturers and perhaps by extension their insurance companies to settle the case. Uh, I've been in settlement conferences overseen by judges before and uh, essentially the, the judges want the insurance companies to pay because they're the ones that have the money. And in many jurisdictions, uh, judges are, are not appointed but they are elected and it is very popular for a judge to uh, uh, leverage and to award damages to constituents in, in their localities. They don't curry favor by turning thumbs down on claims. So all of these are factors, subtle or not so subtle, um, subtle but powerful, that impel judges more and more not necessarily to serve as arbiters of competing versions of a case or, or to find the ultimate truth about a case but see their role as docket managers and the net result of that is to make it very difficult, make it very risky, make it very expensive for an insurance company or a defendant who, who may be going against the tide of public opinion but who wants at least an opportunity to present their case in a forum that is neutral that is dispassionate and that has not already made up its mind. This is not, again, a defense of the opioid manufacturers nor an indictment. It is not a defense or indictment of Judge Polster. It's just to say that it brings to the fore a lot of perspectives that insurance claims people have about taking cases to trial. So I think one takeaway is uh, before taking a case to trial, find out who the judge is going to be and find out everything you can about him or her. Uh, were they in private practice? How long have they been a judge? Uh, what was their specialty in private practice? Did they mostly do defense work? Did they mostly do defendant work? Did they do any insurance work? Um, what are their leanings? What are their hot buttons? What are their prejudices? Um, and so um, and we all know the reason why judges often insist that adjusters personally attend settlement conferences armed with settlement authority. It, it makes it painful for the adjuster who has to make travel arrangements and, and blow a whole day and maybe more depending upon the length of the trip and the extent of the travel uh, to, to lavish on one case and it also uh, gives the judge an opportunity to terrorize the adjuster to settle the case and to sketch out all of the bad things that could possibly happen if they roll the dice and take the case to trial, as though an adjuster is unaware of those risks. But in any event, so this is a little bit of a rant and tirade with regard to the increasing role, what I perceive as the increasing role of judges as docket managers and some implications for claims people as they ponder taking liability claims to trial. 
hey, if you like the content here, please subscribe to The Claims Coach and visit me on my website at www.claimscoach.com. You can also reach out to me through Twitter. I'm at Claims Coach. That's one word, at Claims Coach. Or connect with me uh, on, on uh, LinkedIn as well. Thanks a lot, and feel free to stop by for future podcasts from The Claims Coach.